0: Good morning, Platt Park Church. I am bringing you the message once again from Mirror Lake in Wisconsin. And I want to begin this morning uh, by sharing a quote with you. And the quote just simply says this, we can make our minds so like still water that beings gather about us that they may see It may be their own images and so live for a moment with a clearer, perhaps even with a fiercer life because of our quiet. That quote is from William Butler Yeats. And I love the idea that we can make our minds like still water and we can offer that to those around us. We are in this series talking about the story of the prodigal son and today we are going to look at the father in the story who is a picture of that still water to both of his children. Henry Nouwen, in his excellent book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, shares his profound journey in reflecting on this story for many years. Nouwen was at a hinge point in his life, and a friend had a picture of Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal Son. For three years, Henry Nouwen studied this painting. He had a sense that God was going to use the painting to teach him about the true nature of love. And he had the opportunity to go to a hermitage in Russia where the original painting is and for two days he did nothing but look at this painting. It was just him and a guard in the room. And he wanted to see the painting at all the different points in the day with the morning light and the afternoon sun and the evening dusk. Now, the fact that he did this is an important reminder in and of itself, because so often we think that transformation happens quickly. I mean, let me ask you this. Is anybody tired of 2020 yet? anybody weary of our world being out of whack? I think many of us would say we long for transformation. We long to know the true nature of love but most of us want that to happen fast. We hope we can just read a profound post or a good book or listen to a great podcast. We want to be people who love to be people of transformation but often we expect it to happen quickly and now in is teaching us that the price of admission to this life of deep transformation is sometimes three years looking at the same painting or two days doing nothing but just staring at it, one image in a world that wants to run so fast and wants to get over hard things quickly now gives us a vision for true transformation. He paints a picture of what real contemplative spirituality might look like. It might take a long time, and that might be part of the point. In the first week of this series, we looked at the younger son in this story, and then last week we looked at the older son we've talked about how the younger son represents one way of being lost and that is through outright rebellion and the older son represents another way of being lost and that is through moral good deeds and self-righteousness and in this story Jesus is shattering our categories on what it means to be lost now today I want us to look at the Father. I want us to see the heart of the Father. The Father in this story is like a vision for us, a path to walk towards. As we follow Jesus, God transforms us, and over time, the actions of the Father are the characteristics of our lives too. We we start to take on the characteristics of the father over time. So let's look at five characteristics we see in the father. Number one, welcome. The father is a person of deep welcome. His impulse, his heart is towards welcome. We see this with both of the sons. The way that he welcomes back the younger son. The way that he runs out to welcome in the older son. So first characteristic we see in the father is welcome. Second one, affectionate. He embraces his son with compassion. He runs to greet his younger son and embraces him. So second, affectionate third characteristic we see in the father is celebration. This father wants to throw a party. There is a celebratory nature to his love. We see his hospitality, his desire to mark an important moment. This celebration, it's about creating spaces where people can be fed and seen and loved. And as you are apprenticed by Jesus your life starts to look like the life of this father. You become the one who invites others to the table. You become the one who marks those milestones. You become the one who welcomes others home. The father knows how to throw a party. So this is one other characteristic we see of the father. Another characteristic we see in this father is patience. In this story, the father leaves the party to go outside and plead with the elder son, who will not come in because he's upset by his father's welcome of his rebellious younger brother. And he is patient. He is patient with his older son, talking with him, attempting to reason with him. So we see patience. The father is patient, pursuing him too. The next characteristic we see in this father is generous. One of my favorite lines in the story is when the father says to the older son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is already yours. That is the heart of the father. He is generous. We too reflect the heart of the father when we are generous not just with our money but with our lives with all the resources god has entrusted to our care you are like the father when you are generous with your time generous with your listening ear generous with the wisdom you have been granted generous with your story and with your struggle Generous with sharing a seat at your table. Here is the main difference between the characters in this story. The kids in the story are asking these sort of questions. What can I get? And how will this affect me? That's what both the younger son and the older son are saying. But the father, the father is asking, what can I give here? And how can I affect the world? The kids and the father are just approaching the they're just approaching life with different questions. They're asking different questions and as you grow in love, as we grow in love, you too begin to change your approach to living. It is no longer about what can I get and how will this affect me. Your life your impulses, your preoccupation becomes what can I give and how can I affect those around me with the radical love that I have received? What can I give to the people in my family, to my friends, to my church, and to my workplace? What can I give here? How can I affect those around me? This is the way of the Father, and this is the way of love. I want to close today by sharing a story with you. When Tim and I were living in Iowa, we had some friends who were pregnant with their fourth child. When he was born, they went into the delivery room totally unaware that there were any health issues with the baby. They uh, were not aware of that at all but when he was born it was immediately apparent that there were some significant problems and so the moments and days and months that followed were filled with shock and terror and grief alongside joy of course for them and my friend Jody the mom said that within hours of his birth a team came to transport her baby to children's hospitals quite severe and she would follow him Follow the baby as soon as it was safe for her to stand to get into the wheelchair her husband uh, Andy followed the ambulance to the hospital and it was several hours before she made it over to the hospital to the other hospital where they had taken her newborn son Her husband and her mom had gotten the newborn, checked into the NICU, and then they had gone home uh, to be with the other three boys who were like under the age of five at the time. And after she checked herself into the maternity ward later, someone came and wheeled her, the mom, um, into the NICU to see her, her newborn baby. And as she came in the room, her baby's little isolate was like surrounded by people. And there was chatter and pointing and leaning down over his body. The oldest man in the room was in a white coat. And when she came in, he lifted his head and hushed the conversation and greeted her by saying, Are you mom? And of course she nodded. And then everyone from there was you know pretty awkward it was clearly a gathering of all the medical students and residents in the hospital that night because it was a rare delivery one they might not see again in their careers and there was education to be had but mom was in the room now and so now now it was someone's baby and she said the doctor was gentle and kind He, you know, came and he gave her a name to the defect and a beginning overview of the treatment and the surgical plan for the upcoming days. She had never heard of any of it. She didn't think anyone else in the room had heard of it either. She would not have been able to repeat it if she was asked. I mean, all the vocabulary was new. Everything was new. Everything was scary. And this was uh, before we were all carrying around computers in our hands and her, you know, her like uh, flip cell phone wasn't even allowed in the NICU. And so later she would eventually have to find a hospital computer and pay for an hour, like one hour of dial up internet to research her baby's condition. But at one point, someone in the room, a nurse maybe, made her way through, you know, what must have been some sort of like a birth defect questionnaire for moms. And uh, she said, you know, did you drink during the pregnancy? Did you take any drugs during the pregnancy, etc., etc., etc. And my friend, you know, shook her head or nodded in line with the questions, but She was secretly just wanting everyone to get the heck out of her baby's room. She wanted to disappear. She just wanted to scoop her baby up and run for their lives. Finally, they all left. The surgeon stopped in the doorway and let her know he would see her tomorrow, which was like in a couple hours. So she sank into that vinyl chair next to her baby's bed and she was in shock. She was resolute, she was scared, and of course she was so in love with that newborn baby. It was maybe 30 minutes later that a kid gently knocked on the door of her room and kind of hustled into the room. He. He was clearly late for wherever he was supposed to be next. He wore all the telltale signs of a medical student, and she vaguely recognized him from that contingency that had previously been gathered around her baby's body. And he said, Ma'am, I printed this out for you if you want to read it when you're ready. And he handed her a stapled packet of papers. And he kind of nervously flipped to the third page and said, And here... Just notice, just notice what I highlighted for you. Good luck, ma'am. And he scurried out the door. And she looked down at a packet of paper printed from a medical journal site with the title of the birth defect that she could not pronounce at the top. And she flipped to the third page where he had highlighted the words, is not caused by anything apparent did or didn't do during pregnancy. It was in a pink highlighter. She was wearing a hospital gown. It was dark outside sometime in the middle of the night. Her family's trajectory was changing forever. And she'll never forget him. She has no idea if he's a good doctor now. He definitely was not the smartest person in the room at the time. He was a learner. It was not his skilled hands that would begin to like put her baby back together. She doesn't even know his name. But here is what can be said about him. He read the room. He saw my friend and he acted. He took the extra step to ease just a little bit of her pain and fear He predicted a need based solely on a young mom's body language and the realities of the situation. He helped her survive that night. He did what he could to be the best human he could be at that moment. And I don't know why, but I am so moved by that story. Maybe it's because most days I feel really powerless in the current state of affairs. I want to fix something. I want to make things easier and better for my kids and all the people that are struggling right now. But I can't. I'm not the smartest one in the room. I don't have the answers. And likely neither do you. But here is what we do have. We have the heart of the father inside. The father who scanned the horizon and saw a person in need and ran to him. The father who noticed someone who had gone missing from the party and went out to plead with him. The younger brother and the older brother, They were asking, how will this affect me? The father? The father was looking outward and asking, how can I affect the world? See, you may not have the power or the answers, but here is what you can do today. You can be like that medical student and you can scan the room, look around for the need, You can look around your life and ask yourself, what can I do here that will maybe just help ease the burden of grief one tiny little bit? Who here needs someone to just see them? If you are a follower of God in the way of Jesus, then you have the heart of the Father inside you you are indwelt by god's holy spirit and you can allow the heart of the father to guide you in these uncertain days you can scan the room look around for the need that no-name medical student he did just that and he is a reminder to us you don't have to hold the power You don't have to hold the position. You don't have to have the answers to be a good human, to spread love, to share the heart of the Father God. See, Jesus, Jesus was fully God and fully human. And he came and showed us what it looks like to be most human. Jesus showed us what the love of God looks like. And in his life, death, and resurrection, he made a way for us to be forgiven and set free and redeemed and transformed by love. The transforming love of God produces the best version of being human. May we live in that love, the love of the Father. May we be transformed by that love, the love of the Father. And may you extend that love in your little corner of the world today. may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace love you guys amen